0: I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was gonna die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I wanna welcome Laura Johns. She is the founder and CEO of The Business Growers. Laura hit $1 million in annual recurring revenue in 13 months if you don't know, that is amazing. So we have some things to learn from her. Her business is the Business Growers. It's a marketing firm serving the B2B, telecom, uh, SaaS, IT, and cloud services industries. And I think she said it's the only agency focused just on tech in the whole state of Mississippi. That's right. And for 18 years, Laura managed marketing efforts for companies ranging from tech startups to global multi-billion dollar businesses. She spent nearly half her career serving as um, um, corporate marketing executive in the telecommunications industry before starting the business growers. Not only that, but she's also the co-founder and host of the Home and Hustle podcast for Working Moms, and also the No Grow, and Scale videocast and podcast for Entrepreneurs. We're gonna have trouble fitting all this into a few minutes. <laughs> we Laura. might do it for part one and part two. <laughs> Laura, welcome! It's a delight to have you here.
1: Thank you, Craig. So excited to be here. Excited to talk about leadership and what it means to me, and um, and and learn from you as well. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, I mean, you've hit some amazing uh, milestones, and you know, it's you know one of the questions that always come comes to mind for me is what was, um, you know, what was the crucible that, that brought you to this? And I understand you had to live kind of straight and narrow. Your your dad was a judge. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he was. He was.
1: And thankfully I had two older brothers ahead of me that were making plenty of mistakes. Um, I just made them a little more quietly. <laughs> so, um, so my dad was a judge up until these last few years. Actually, he's gone back to practicing law. But um, something about a judge in Mississippi, you know, they write. John Grisham writes books about it. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things you certainly want to keep things on the straight and narrow when your dad is is watching everything you do, or you know, has the uh, radio on at all times in case anyone you know messes up. So. <laughs>
0: You know, I think that's hard. I think that's hard to appreciate that. I mean, that would be that would be challenging because you feel like, you know, the spotlight's always on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I will say um, of of my two older brothers and myself, the the three of us. Um, I definitely was one that I'm not sure if you know. I, I think everything about us today has so much to do with our upbringing. And so I really work hard to try to figure out or pinpoint things and and tie them back to my upbringing. But um, I was not the daredevil of the family. I was always the one that I would uh, you know I would be the one that would rise to the occasion that would, you know, make sure that that if my parents expected something out of me, you know, curfew, et cetera. Um, never got speeding tickets growing up, et cetera. Now, since I've been an adult and a mom and a business owner, the speeding ticket part has changed, but I'm no longer accountable to my dad now. So don't have to worry about that. But, um, but, you know, really, you know, having two older brothers ahead of me, I, I got to see, um, you know, the mistakes that they were making. And I was a little too scared of my dad to make some of those myself, <laughs> myself. So I got out of high school unscathed and uh, but it was pretty tough because we are also in a, a very small town in in Mississippi. So um, if he didn't hear via police radio, he would hear from the neighbors. So uh, tried to keep things pretty tight.
0: <laughs> you know, that's another interesting aspect. The um, you know, my wife grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex. Okay. Yep. And last month we were back in my hometown of Cambridge, Maryland, which is this little thirteen thousand person town. And she occasionally fantasizes about living in a small town Yep. and I said, you know, if you do that, there are no secrets.
1: There are no secrets. And it can be a good thing or a bad thing. My husband actually grew up about 10 minutes from me. And in fact, now today, this, this shows you how Mississippi works. Our families have moved to live like, less than a mile from one another so his parents and my parents live really close which is actually wonderful because we have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old so when we go out of town we have a 10-year anniversary coming up next month we'll take the seven-year-old to one house and the three-year-old to the other and drive them off but um but you know when you marry someone from your hometown which I in fact did um you know the benefit of that is you know all the dirt so before, before I even started dating him, I got the, you know, all of the information about him and he, he still um, seemed to be a pretty good guy. So, and we're 10 years in now, 13 together. So.
0: Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and tell me a little bit about your husband. What you, you you said that in the green room, you said that he's, he's an important figure in this story.
1: Absolutely. Um, he is a worship pastor. Uh, when we got married, he was dabbling in maybe some insurance and some other things, uh, working with his brother-in-law at the time. Um, but really, through the course of the first couple of years of our marriage and him doing, um, you know, what was called a worship school at the time at Bethel Church, a very prominent worship um, uh, worship style and church in uh, North California, um, He's decided he decided when we were, you know, I we're well, not newlyweds, but fairly newlyweds that he was going to um, lead worship at a church. I have al- had always, um, you know, of course, before we had children was working, but had always working, had always been in the plan. And I know, you know, some of it's a bit cultural, but definitely in the south and southeast, particularly in Mississippi, um, you know, a lot of my friends were graduating college. Some went on to get their master's, but I would say at least 75% of the friends that I graduated college with are now stay-at-home moms. So um, in the South, it's not, I would say, you know, things are changing, but the, there's still a good bit of the traditional household that's, that's honored here. Um, I grew up with a mom that stayed at home um, and very much, you know, saw her working just as hard as my dad. She was just doing it in the home. So um so anyway, our family today, when when I, I held various jobs, and in fact, um, I worked for a tech startup that then sold to a company called iTron, and that job at iTron had me traveling internationally at the drop of a hat, um, and this is when we were just married, so we didn't ha- yet have children, but I found out with maybe like a 24-hour heads-up that I was going to need to go to Singapore, um, which is quite a long, a, a long uh, travel. So, so, but it was a really I mean, good opener.
0: Let's let's put teeth on that. When you say yeah. long travel, what's that mean? How many hours? I
1: think it was like sixteen hours, twelve to sixteen hours for me. Well, that, um, You know, that's better than we, I thought. That was the flight time. So I think the total travel time was a full day. It was a, a guaranteed full twenty-four hour of travel. And I think at the stop. We had you know a couple stops in the U.S. A stop in Tokyo, and then another stop. But um, but you know I'd been married for two years and of course we were thinking I was I, I married which also Southern uh this is very late in in uh, Mississippi's eyes probably that I got married when I was 31 um so we wanted to start a family and uh you know drop of a hat international travel was probably not going to serve us um very well for much longer uh so with that I, I actually was on a business trip in California met uh, a an church member that saw that I was on Facebook, that I was in, in uh, San Francisco, we had dinner. He had a tech company that had no marketing um, at the time. So I, I started working for him shortly thereafter, and then started my own business serving companies similar to his in the tech space. But before I started my own business, my husband and I had a very real conversation about what that would look like, because um obviously when you own your own business you are it's like an it's like a child almost you know in terms of what you're spending devoting to um, building it growing it uh, the amount of not just time but like brain cells that you were p- putting into leading and now I have 17 women that work for me that I'm leading in addition to two little boys at home. So it was very much a commitment both for me and my husband. And I said, are you sure that you you are in? And he was 100 percent. But that means that he's right now in this season. He's doing carpool in the afternoons. He's picking up. He's getting folks to and from ball because his schedule is a bit more flexible in terms of, um, you know, getting kids to and from. So. It had to be a, a team decision. We're very much a team. And he has been uh, extremely supportive and really the only way that I could do this um, the way that I have. So I'm very grateful. His name is Jay.
0: Jay. Yeah. Well, and that's so encouraging, um, you know, to have have a spouse that you you know is in your corner and, and that you're working together. You're working through yep. things yep. together.
1: And we've had seasons, you know, we were when we, we first had our first son, I was working um for someone. And his job was a bit more demanding. And so during that season, I was at home a great deal more. And I think that it, and there are probably going to be another ebb and flow in this, in you know, the marriage we committed for the long haul. So, you know, whatever's to come, we're going to make decisions as a team. And um, honestly, I feel like that, that that's part of leadership, no matter if, if it's in your marriage or in your um, home, in your family, in your work life, um being able to make compromises and and make those big decisions and remember when it gets tough that we made it together. Um, that's yeah. huge,
0: yeah. and you know you just touched on something really important there and what it it doesn't matter whether it's in your family or in your team. if it's a decision made together, there's a lot more commitment to see it all the way right. through, right.
1: Yeah. I actually sent out a survey. I'm planning for 2024 right now. So planning for next year. And I just sent out a survey to my team wanting everyone's participation if they've been here longer than four to six months. Um, But I'm asking them questions like, what did we do? Well, what did we not do well? Um, What should change in 2024? And although it's probably going to be painful for me to, read because it's again, this is like another baby of mine, so you don't want somebody calling your baby ugly, right? That's like, <laughs> but I do honestly want everyone's feedback because I'm not now that we've grown like we have, I'm not able to have these conversations with the whole team every day. so um so I want that feedback so that we can make the right decisions going forward and I want everyone to feel like they are a part of of you know the growing of this this business and the decisions that we're making. yeah.
0: yeah. And how, how have they responded to that?
1: Well, I don't know. I just sent it out this morning, so I'll let, let you know. But but we do, you know, we do uh, every three weeks, three to four weeks, at least once a month, we do what we call start, stop and do better. So we all are required to bring something that we need to stop doing, something we need to start doing and something that we could do better. Um, we at least vote during the start, stop, and do better, when everyone gets theirs out, we vote on one because it's really hard to take all of them and make change. You know, it's not very realistic, but we do at least all vote on one in each category that we will take and implement before the next start, stop, and do better. So it's kind of similar to that. And I'm, I'm very much, um, not someone who thinks that my way is the best way. And so I'm, I'm leaning on all of these really smart women that work with me to, um, to give me their insight so that we can do better as an organization. So,
0: Well, you know, and there's an interesting question that comes out there and it reminds me of my first job at university. I worked for a telecom. It was Ericsson. Oh yeah. 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 And my first annual review, my, uh, my boss, we get to the end of the review and he's, he said, do you have any feedback from me? And I was like, oh, that's a serious question. So I gave some BS answer and he kept pressing. And I thought, well, maybe he really wants a serious answer. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I often make plans on Friday nights. And when our group meetings go until six o'clock on a Friday night, mm. it makes it really hard to make plans. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK. And like nine months later, uh, one of my colleagues, a guy named John Fried, comes up to me and he says, I hear you don't like the Friday night meetings. I'm like, yeah, where did you hear that? And he had just finished his review and he brought up the same thing with my boss. Oh. And my boss said, So you and Craig Andrews don't like it. And he's like, Oh, a lot more don't like it. Craig and I are just the ones bold enough It'll to talk say it. something. Yeah. Speak up. So here's you know, the so that's kind of the setup. You're putting this survey out.
1: Yep.
0: How do you get genuine, authentic answers?
1: Right. Well, one is I'm not administering it. My assistant is, which that's that's step one. I think is it's not they. it's she's filtering through everything and she's just showing the data. So that's key. Key number one is making sure everyone knows that I'm not looking at each answer. But also we don't ask for them to put their names on it. Don't ask for them to put their information on it. I have no way of knowing who says what. But also I have found that um, one of the things that I'm very serious about is immediate feedback. And I've built a culture. Our number one core value is trust. And I do work really hard, not just in our own um, team, but also with our clients. Um, If we feel like trust is being compromised, we'll let the client go. I have a very specific example of that. Um, If we feel like uh, the trust is being compromised internally, we address it really um, head on. And I, I do that because I've worked for organizations that didn't. And I saw because I was usually on the, you know, in the inside in some sort of role where people would always come sit in my office and I would hear um, just that, you know, things where I felt like trust was being compromised. So, so um, you know, the, the culture certainly suffers. So I've made it a point to make sure that if I see not only just an opportunity for feedback or growth, we, we don't call it criticism. It's not it's feedback. It's feedback. It's feedback. It's just addressing something quickly um, I always had managers that, as wonderful people as they were, I never really felt like I knew how I was doing. And so we give our team um, ample opportunities to have conversations so, with each other, with me, um, with Vicky, our VP of Ops, so that they know on a weekly basis how they're doing and have the opportunity to have that feedback exchange, which is really important. But if if tr- to me, if trust is compromised. Um, and if you don't feel like you can communicate openly, then, you know, that's a whole lot of time you're spending um, in an organization that to me is not life-giving. So I want to make sure that that our team feels like their voice is heard. That's important what, to me.
0: What does it mean to you to be life-giving?
1: You know, if you pull up and the, I don't know how many people are, are remote workers or, are actually physically going into an office, but if you pull up or if you sign on early in the morning for work and you feel like. like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to these people that everybody has their day. But if you are finding that you're every day getting online and don't want to be there, that organization is not giving you life. If you don't feel um, encouraged, if you don't feel some sense of joy in what you're doing, you know, 40 plus hours a week is a long time to spend not feeling like you have, you know, skin in the game, not feeling like you have purpose. I'm very, um committed to driving home the, the purpose of our organization, very different from our mission and vision, which is to serve tech companies, but our purpose is to empower women both in the workplace and in the home. Um, I'm I'm committed to doing that. And that might mean, again, kind of going back to that trust uh, core value, that might mean that we all trust that if someone is out on maternity leave, that I'm going to handle what schedule works best for them or they can still get their work done and also be a great mom be there for their kids we all trust that that's going to happen um that we're going to work together we also have a couple other core values that kind of lean into that but you know life-giving work is is work that you can get to and you don't dread it you feel there is a, a community of trust and a culture that that makes you want to be there and you can leave you know joyful
0: yeah well and do you feel do you feel like a lot of businesses, make it hard for women to uh, work there from that perspective
1: yeah i think it just depends on the business i think that there are are traditionally you know handbook type things that are not that don't consider um overall the person the rest of their you know for example when i had a newborn my husband. Um, and I had moved to a place where he was a worship pastor at a church in Laurel, Mississippi, where the HGTV hometown uh, show is on for those that are uh, HGTV watchers. But we had moved there and actually I was working about an hour and a half away. So that was a three hour commute a couple of days a week with a newborn. That oh. meant if he's running a fever at 7 a.m., I had already left the house, you know, yeah. at 5.30, 5.45. So, um you know, I, I feel like we need to take the the person and you know, their surroundings, for example, if they don't have family nearby to help, if they don't have,, um, you know, that might look like we come into the office two days a week, that might look like for a season this person doesn't come into the office two days a week. I just think that there's a whole lot of factors that you know, in black and white, I understand why we need to make it. Um, Black and white, because that's, you know, how the world works. But also, I think we need to consider um, a little bit more than just what's on paper in terms of just the leave and hours and look more at the person as a whole. So there's just a lot. And that that doesn't just apply to family. I think that it applies to um, any kind of if, if we have, you know, a scenario that we're going through that might give us an opportunity to go overseas for six months you know is there is there is that person any less productive in their job because they're um in a different seat you know a different location i don't know so i think that we just need to think about that as leaders in our organizations especially given um this new generation of 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 employees and of workers um post covid i think there's a lot more to think about than and i hate to even say COVID on a, on a call i know we're we're over it but it's you know it's still a thing and i think that our the way that people work has changed and the way that organizations have to bring value to the employee has changed.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think of <clears throat> two examples where um, that flexibility that you're talking about one in my own life where it was amazing, you know, so, you know, a couple of years ago I was in the hospital, they were pronouncing me near dead uh-huh. and my wife worked for NCR and I'm going to call them out because they did an amazing job. Uh, they, immediately gave her two weeks off, wow. didn't charge her leave, go home, deal with your husband. Wow. And then that, that was, that was August 22nd. And then from then, you know, when she came back from then until the end of the year, they had her work half time while paying her full time.
1: Oh, uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, Uh, And that
1: matters. I mean, how much does that make her want to be loyal and want, you know, I I just feel like those, those things, my, my boss at my previous employer, before I started my own business, I, when I, um, about six months after having my first son, I was just exhausted and trying to drive. And, um, I just said, I can't do it anymore. And he, it took me a long time to say that, but he said, put down on paper what you need and we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. Wow. That, like, that is incredible it's
1: like yeah and, and and what might seem like a small decision for a leader can be life changing for an employee
0: yeah well you know the you know we're we're eternally grateful to NCR and you know I'm not a big fan of big corporations but they still have a yeah. warm spot in my heart
1: absolutely yeah yep yep it matters so,
0: so um so anyway you're you're about helping women um empowering women to figure out you know, the balance between work and and the
1: home and the hustle. That's the name of my podcast. So I call it the home and the hustle everywhere, but trying to find joy and balance in both the home and the hustle, which is work.
0: That's awesome. And so, um, so anyway, um, one, few ways of people reaching you. One is to listen to Home and the Hustle. And you say that's only a little bit of hiatus, but that's... We're,
1: we're Yeah, we're getting back into it. But because we're working moms, we have to take a break between seasons. But we do have two full seasons that are full of working moms that are nurses, that are news anchors. So they have a very unconventional schedule. We got moms of, of all... Um, All backgrounds there. So the Home and the Hustle on anywhere you listen to podcasts, and then the No Grow Scale podcast, also anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, That's my entrepreneurship podcast. And then you can find my organization at thebusinessgrowers.com, and we'll have all of our social media handles on our website as well.
0: Okay. And again, you work with tech companies, nationwide. Tech
1: companies, B2B tech companies nationwide. We've got clients in 23 states,
0: um, about almost 60 clients now. So- Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Well, Laura, this has just been an incredible discussion. Thank you for coming on Leaders and Legacies. Of course,
1: we can do our part two sometime soon. I'm sure there's plenty more we can talk about.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, <laughs> thank, thank you.
1: Thanks, thanks.
0: This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.